the Podjectivity Network. We thought texting was trying to fit a what? A lake in a shot glass? Yeah. It's even worse when we get together. There's too, there's too much. Like, how do we... How about... Well, I don't know... Let's start at the beginning. Here's my question. If there's some relevant topic that's already happened, but, for instance, one of us knows nothing about it, a.k.a. moi, mm-hmm. is there a way to talk about it within the larger context of global relevance? I'm thinking of the LeBron thing. Oh. It's, it's already like 10 news cycles behind. Guys so over overly covered anyway too right yeah. like LeBron. but i do feel like i should know what happened so can you just start with that just for like practice for me and okay. then okay. are we talking about the china yeah crisis because I, I have stopped watching all news and like i'm just not listening to news podcasts i'm not doing okay. anything with news right now so you might not know that china represents a huge like uh market and profit it's it's a large profit potential for the NBA to break into the Chinese market. And there have been some Chinese players who have crossed over in the NBA. Yao Ming. Do you remember Yao Ming? He was like seven Super foot Super tall. I remember. Yes. Yeah. So that got the Chinese people fired up about basketball to have one of their own like competing in this great league. And uh, it started a very lucrative business relationship then too. You know, the NBA was getting rich and, and staging some games so preseason they were games rec- over in China to promote the league. They're recruiting f- for the NBA? Not recruiting. Uh, just people are buying NBA league pass, you know, NBA merchandise. Okay. So they want fans. Fans, yeah. And there's billions of Chinese fans over there, you know, that... India, China, each. A billion. They represent a billion potential stream- streaming subscribers. Okay. Uh Big, for big a massively money. popular, increasingly international sport. Of all the major sports, NBA might be... Uh, I don't know much about hockey. I really don't. Hockey draws, obviously, a lot of European dudes with consonant-heavy last names. Yeah. Uh, Dickowitz. I don't know that... No, I'm... <laughs> Sorry. I think I'm going to stick with... Uh, oh, yeah. Forever. It's going to be funny. <laughs> We're going to find out because I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to, hey, stick with what you know. Uh, I think the NBA is probably the broadest, most diverse of the major sports. Because of Michael Jordan. Players from Africa. Players from Europe. Players from South America. Why? Players from Canada. Space Jam. You know, his star power. Michael was global. That terrible movie is what? No, it's it's just an example of like who else at the time or ever in sports has done major motion pictures mm. like that that go around the globe and create this icon yeah this. back then probably zero not that many no true yeah so jordan probably had the world hooked anyway but then in the case of china when they produced this dude yao ming who could compete not only compete but was like a, a force in the league for before injuries ended his career early like it started a thing, a real thing between China and the U.S. Uh, and the NBA in particular, and they were doing scheduling preseason games then over in China so that people could see the stars play live. Oh, okay. And um, 
and 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 in and around what doesn't get reported necessarily is like people like LeBron James then would pad this trip, this game out with speaking appearances and things for Nike or whatever. Okay. He's, he's getting paid. Are they getting commercial deals over there? Yes. Okay. Players, so big money. The big time players big. over here naturally have shoes. Jordan, LeBron, sure. Giannis, Westbrook, all these get Harden. All these guys have shoes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You got to sell those to Chinese kids too. So I've heard that um, like Brad Pitt and all kinds of Hollywood stars do commercials over there in like Japan or in China and make big money, but then they also don't become commercialized. Mm. To their fans in the U.S. because they're not selling out. True, they just sell out overseas, out of sight. Yeah, it's like an invisible. So is sellout. it kind of like that? I'm gonna say no. I mean, they're doing the same thing over there, uh-huh. and players, even lesser players. So an example I'd give is Stefan Marbury. He was a college star in the '90s. Came to the pros. Turned out to be a pretty selfish player. Didn't fit well. Wasn't good enough really to be in the nba uh-huh went and played in china wait a minute he was an all-star one year at least dude okay but go Sorry. on please just agree from <laughs> now, please okay. that really that really hampers my case agreeing only uh, from this moment forward okay this is your house but so, <laughs> i don't want to go easy on the disagreeing with me so i just happen to know that i don't think it's nike or any of the major brands but he has a He's a hero over there. LeBron, you're talking about. No, no. Marbury. Oh, Marbury is. So he because he went over and he played in China. He went and played in China. And over there, he's like Jordan 2. He's, he's huge over there. Sure. Way bigger than he ever was here. He has his own kind of shoes over there. He's, they have a, there's a statue of him over there. Whoa. The franchise that he played for. Like, you haven't even so, seen the statue. It could be a really shitty statue. Whatever. Whoa. It's like like you were saying about the commercials, though. It's like, there's, these guys have a whole other life we don't even know about over there. And it's the guys that aren't even the biggest stars have a deal, have representation All right, and Dan. an image over there. Sorry, so if so I go may, on. As this relates to the controversy then, when this Houston Rockets owner tweeted support for the Hong Kong protesters while LeBron and the boys were going over mm-hmm. for these preseason games that set off this geopolitical firestorm. What were they protesting? Hong Kong. What's Hong Kong protesting? Sorry, I don't oh, read okay. the news, that's okay. guys. I'm no need to apologize. Boy, uh, <laughs> they two, were a British. Two col- out of three so far. Do, do you know? I, <laughs> they were a British colony until the late nineties. Okay. And then when the British left, they renegotiated a deal with like the Chinese government that allowed them some of the the civil liberties and things that they'd enjoyed under British rule. Mm-hmm. It's like a compromise deal then while still belonging to this dictatorship, communist, you know, Chinese thing that is, so there's two separate uh, sources of authority sort of. Hong okay. Kong is like its own little district. Like mom almost. and dad. I guess whatever analogy you want to use, but there's a, there, that's the struggle. It's, it's democracy. It's trying to preserve these, these values that they got accustomed to when they were British, ah, uh, under British control, and they're being infringed upon. So mm-hmm. they're fighting now violently at times, you know, back to try and preserve this 
uh, started over some extradition business anyway. So, so this protests, protests, political protests, and this Houston Rockets, this American who's pro democracy, obviously, uh-huh. speaks out on behalf or, or you know for his fellow brothers in democracy fighting mm-hmm. for freedom over there in China. Some short little message set off a huge controversy though, and a lot of Chinese sponsors and people started pulling out ah. of these NBA engagements. Uh-oh. And people like LeBron were losing their speaking engagements, and they mm-hmm. were they've lost untold sums, but not insubstantial, right? So LeBron basically got was interviewed and 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 said that this guy didn't know what he was talking about. And didn't speak for him and kind of was being selfish even. Okay. So trying to protect about, his money and his... Yeah. Kind of? I don't know. Dan, I've said enough now. Your turn. Well... Go. Was he or was it misinterpreted? Well... Your take, Dan. Man, that's a great question. Uh, Daryl Morey, GM of the Rockets, tweeted what he tweeted. It bubbled for a few days, a couple days there. Uh... Yeah, and they caught LeBron by his locker, and he he did the. He should have looked into it more, or he was uninformed, or he went down that road, uh, and he knows everything. He wasn't thinking about the repercussions of what he was saying, which is unusual, wouldn't you think, for someone? Yeah, he knows every time he talks, probably even in his own house, that it's probably being broadcast. Yeah, right. You don't. He doesn't just say things that go out into the willy nilly Mm. that disappear. It, it exposed this big Chinese elephant in the room that an American businessman said something publicly. It angers, it angers a communist government in some fashion. And it exposed this immense relationship that we have with China that a lot of that people don't really think about like we all know that our shoes come from China and our happy meal toys come from China mm-hmm. uh we've known about but it just exposed it in a whole in a different way a much more like oh this goes higher than we thought way that's how it came across to me so that's good yeah if it's at the surface that means you can look at it but it, it also i think We've talked a little before about, and Bill Simmons also has raised questions about. I'm drinking his water. It's fine though. It's my house, motherfucker. Um, can you have an unpopular opinion anymore? Are you allowed to say what's on your mind anymore? If it means an entire galaxy of tweets and uh, comments and. Hard to take a risk. It's hard to speak freely. That's for sure. You have to censor everything that you yeah. say so that it fits into a little box of what's appropriate and might be received. It's like That's not healthy. Can't it's be healthy. It's like everyone's become trying to monitor what they think other people are going to respond to what they're saying. You you can't live like that. I don't know you're how like celebrities a, You're like do the president's speechwriter or something. Every, yeah. every everything you say, you have, you have, to, have to try craft. to anticipate yeah. Put through sensitivity filters. <laughs> and there's they keep growing. So and, many filters. Yeah. The NBA was just doing what everybody else air quotes is doing. Uh 
and I, I can't help but bring up that South Park episode. And South Park, I freaked out to you guys about it that South Park made an episode on this theme that aired a few days before this whole shitstorm happened. Oh. Before it happened. And it was... They're pretty good. It was that prescient. Okay. And... Break down the episode. I didn't watch it. Oh. Very nice. Okay, if you insist. So this this latest season of South Park, uh, they've gone all in on... Integrity Farms. First of all, I can't believe that show is still on. Oh, it gets better every year. Honestly, God, I it haven't watched it in probably eight it's years. Fifty-seventh season. The, the, uh, the season that in the run in the presidential election was beyond belief, and they had to change. They had to change it on the fly because they didn't expect things to go how they did. So ah. that show, if you've ever seen any background on it, those episodes, a lot like as SNL. It's a race against the clock to get that show made every week. I didn't, yeah. And, I didn't know uh, that. So anyway, they didn't expect, so in the, the season about the election was hilarious and great and far-reaching and said things that all the other shows and anywhere else was afraid to say. Anyway, this latest season, they've gone all in on Tegrity Farms. Tegrity Farms is Randy Marsh's pot farm out in Colorado. Is Randy Marsh a real person? Randy is Stan's dad. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Stan's dad has a... Pot farm now? Nice. Yes. They, he decided to quit his job <laughs> and move out to... Uh, and buy a pot farm. And they've even changed the theme song. It's like they've, ch- they've changed everything. To, they've used Tegrity Farms as their vehicle for all their satire this year. Okay. Okay. So this Chinese episode... Uh, short version... Somehow it occurs to him that there's a billion people in China. There's a huge market over there that he could sell Tiggerty weed to. <laughs> and hilarity ensues. He gets on an airplane and sits down next to a guy in a suit. And he's like, so, ever been to China before? And the guy's like, uh, yeah, lots of times. Oh, good. I'm going over there to try to sell my product to the Chinese people. And he's like, um, yes, so am I. That's And then it shows this plane filling up with, NBA players, Marvel comic characters. Those are the ones that stick out. Uh, Google and Facebook and all these other. I wonder if South Park has a has a Chinese fan base. Probably the Hong the people of Hong Kong. You Google that shit. They went wild for that Hmm. uh, for this episode. Uh, It must be exciting for them to be that connected to culture like that through their work. So the episode. So Randy, of course, because he's Randy Marsh and he's a moron, he gets all pissed off on the plane. He's like, this was my idea. You guys all took my idea. I thought of this first. And the punchline is, no, Randy, this has been going on for eh, a couple, three decades now. Mm-hmm. And look around you. It's every company under this in this flag-waving country has been doing this. And it comes with... So he gets over there, gets off the plane, and they check his bag. And they open it up and they're all quizzical. And he's like, that's weed. That's Tegrity weed. And I don't know that much about getting off planes in China, but you probably shouldn't have a suitcase full of weed. But that's Randy's character. That's what he does. He does all these bumbling things. He immediately gets thrown into a gulag. Ah. Because, you you know, here they pull you out of line or whatever and be like, "Uh, let's try to keep it under an ounce or whatever. But Uh, I think they 
probably arrest you, but if you fly it, but no gulag though. Probably no gulag. Maybe no caning. He ends up in a gulag. Uh, and who does he meet in this prison? But Winnie the Pooh. Did you guys know Winnie the Pooh is like banned over there? No. Because when somebody made a meme over there or a, a gif of the Chinese president next to Winnie the Pooh and these different angles and different settings and like maybe him walking and they put it side by side with Winnie the Pooh and it, it took off and people freaked out. And to mock hilarious. him? Yeah. Because he resembles Winnie in his He movement. resembles Winnie the Pooh. So they banned Winnie the Pooh there. So Got South Park in their jeans. All stuffed with fluff. Yeah. I see how that could be insulting, but yeah. They <laughs> they don't take the slight so well there. Like So is the let's hear the end of the episode, but then so, I have a question. Not even spoiler constructive alert. criticism. For all of our listeners out there, spoiler alert. Randy makes a deal with the government to kill Winnie the Pooh. We will let you sell your weed here. This is South Park. That's the beauty. But you have to kill <laughs> I, Winnie the Pooh. Now I'm remembering. <laughs> so Winnie the Pooh and Piglet dark. are walking around the, the dark streets. And there's a tub of honey there. And oh, Piglet. Oh, oh the good fortune. I, I really wanted some honey. He goes over, starts eating the honey. And Randy brutally murders him in the street. Bloody. He's he's all bloody and what covered does he with use? guts. Just bare hands. He goes in there like <laughs> I, he might use like a rope or something. It might be the garo, and he chokes the life out of him and just like oh. when he's fighting back. It's just a Breaking Bad death, huh? Mm. And that at the same time in this episode, the boys have formed a metal band, and some greasy agent guy. Approaches they ha- them. They haven't aged at all, have they? No, they're okay. all the same. All the same age. And this all happened in one episode. In one 22-minute thing, this all, this whole arc happened. Okay, metal band. This greasy guy comes to them and he's like, hey kids, I heard your sound. It's pretty fresh. And they're like, okay, do you want to do you want to record our album or what? And he's like, album? Nobody listens to albums anymore. I want to make your biopic. They've been around for five minutes. <laughs> and he, he wants to make their biopic. Tell your story. So they write the movie. And they have to run it past Chinese uh, censors. And they come back with a bunch of notes. And they're like, well, this isn't the story. Like, this is, this is all wrong. What do you... And the guy just keeps telling them, like, no, no, we just have to change a few things. They're just not comfortable with all of it. You just have to change a few things. But tell your story. Keep <laughs> they're it, not, they're keep not it your story. All of it. That's... And so the way that storyline ends <laughs> is the movie ends up getting made about their boy... Their, Otherwise, it was cool. Their boy band... Finger bang from several years ago. Uh, is that what it was called? Or the song, their hit song was called Finger Bang. I think the band was called Finger Bang too. So when it's all said and done, they end up making a Finger Bang movie and Randy gets to sell his weed over there and Randy and Stan both come home like to the dinner table and Randy's like, well, you know, I got our product over to China and he's still all bloody and the family's like, Randy, what? Uh, you're covered with blood. And he's like, Oh no, don't don't worry about it. Just, I I just got to clean up. And scene. Wow, that was a really nice episode summary. Well was. done. Thank you, thank you. I think that capture that captures most of it. Three days later, Daryl Morey puts this tweet out, and this whole shitstorm happens. And the South Park guys are just sitting there with their arms folded, like, Huh? Oh. I guess we 
Yes, we did it again. Chris, are you tuned into how like musically talented those dudes are? At least one of them writes like musicals. I've and seen the South Park movie. Yeah, and that was and really impressive. In that, I mean, yeah, good God, he's got the greatest mimic, like mockery voice too. When he wants to do the rock guy, <laughs> he's got that down. Uh, yeah, he's just such a like multifaceted talent. That dude. So. Chris, what was your broader question about LeBron, China, the NBA, Daryl Morey, Twitter? What would happen if we can't do business with people that do unethical things? Hmm. Some people would not be nearly as wealthy. But what would we do personally? If you ran a store and you said only ethical people that don't do bad shit can buy my stuff. Mm. Well, that's never going to work. <laughs> no. You feel like Happy Bambino was kind of like that when you worked there? They were pretty conscientious. Pregnancy and early parenting store? No, you don't turn away money. But they didn't sell things that were like... Baby carriers, cloth diapers, breast pumps, nursing bras, booty balm. Booty bomb. Hemorrhoid day. cream, nipple creams. Sure, sure. You don't know what people do. I mean, what kind of decisions they make. But where the stuff comes from, who produces it, it's like... Yeah, sure. It I had mean, the air of a place that was like, we only sell good, wholesome things for wholesome children and wholesome moms and wholesomeness. Mm. But no. I think if you did some investigation, every single company was not going to be squeaky clean. Probably. I guess what my point is, maybe how do you figure out where to draw the line? How much compromise? You know what I'm saying? Between profit and conscientiousness. That's right. Yeah. If you stopped doing business with people who did unethical shit, you would probably go out of business is what I'm trying to right, say. Because you can run your shop however you want to, but the success of your shop in many cases, in many industries relies on the cooperation of many other like-minded people, right? You know, transportation, shipping, all of these kind of things that connect your yeah. business to the world. Yeah. Okay. So what if your transportation company is like straight out of the wire and... <laughs> <laughs> they're doing some shady shit on the side. Human trafficking with your Ma- with your hands booty bomb. <laughs> with your booty bomb. Maybe. <laughs> oh, crate. It should be crate full of booty bomb. Imagine it. Yeah. And how do you decide where the line is, I guess? It's a from what you guys are saying, is it a pretty clear line? With the things that China has been doing. Well, the thing that was disappointing about LeBron, if I could bring it back to him for a minute, is, dude, have you not made enough millions that you've got to be that upset about losing your speaking engagement dough and whatever you had rolling over there? Like, you're doing well enough and more than well en- than well enough. Mm-hmm. So just be gracious and and think about all of these protesters and what's actually going on a moment 
rather than your own empire. Oh, man. You know? Not a good look. Not a good look. Not a good look. There's people protesting in the street, and now I don't watch the news, but I do see headlines and stuff. It's gotten to, like, rounding up people uh, So clear there. humanity. Yeah. Hu- humanitarian crisis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a clear line. People trying clear. to escape through sewers. But are you still buying stuff that's made in China? Well, do we have a choice? I don't know. Oh, good. Yeah, geez, man. Yeah, can you get domestically made any? My my Toyota Tacoma. (laughs) Can you get? I'm pretty sure might have been made in the United States, but Toyota. Why is that? That's Japanese or Chinese? Toyota. Japanese. Japan. Japanese. The good guys. A different. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Not the bad guys like China. Right. They're good guys. Important labels. But it's not like individual people wear a sign around that say, I'm unethical and I betray, you know, all kinds of human rights whenever I get the chance. You you can't know that stuff. I'm talking about if you break it, if you whittle it all down, if it's not on a global scale and if it's not country to country, if it's person to person, mm. you whittle it all down. Is it the same equation or is it different? If I could speak to something specific about a guy that I knew who was a business owner who had some ethical quandaries about spraying, fertilizing, adding all of that gunk and shit to people's yards that live by lakes like around here, you know, so he just decided not to provide that service in the stable of other services that his landscaping company provided, you know, uh, we, and, and, and by making that decision, sure, you still make money planting trees for people, putting new patios in and all of the kind of stuff that, that, that they, they provided. But, you know, by, by cutting himself out of that action, he was sacrificing some income for his company, but he just had, you know, principles, but he did it to satisfy the client base. This whole gaggle of people that was like, keep that stuff out of our lakes. Well, there are some, yes. But, I mean, he could easily go over to these McMansions in the McMansionville and make a lot of money Mm. running hoses and spraying shit over the grass to keep the weeds out and keep it perfectly grass Mm -hmm. for golfing. But, no, you know. So, how did did it, um, how did he do? I think he's... That's a tough business, landscaping, mm-hmm. and he's been able to sustain and grow an independent business for decades, a couple decades or more now. Like he's, they're they're doing well, pretty well. But it's it's hard. It's like farming, you know. In a yeah. way, it's just not huge profit margins necessarily, and a lot of super hard work. But I just always admired that about him, you know. Like because when I went to work for him, I'd come from a place that had me doing that, and I would feel sick. At the end of the day, physically sick. Oh, really? From just the little exposure. And they didn't train me very well or have us wearing respirators. Sort of like, you know, and he was like, oh, that sounds horrible. We don't really mess with that stuff in my in my company. I was like, oh, how refreshing. You've got a conscience. Yeah. So while you guys have been talking, I decided we all have blood on our hands. Because <laughs> what can you point to? Like in this room or at this table, phones, laptop, 
recording equipment. There's got to be some Air Jordans in this house somewhere. Uh, <laughs> this this cooler. What what isn't made in China? My Patagonia backpack. It's or, made in China. No, it's an ethical company though. But it's made. Where is it made? I want to say the United States. Okay. But I'm not sure. But I do know Pacific that Pacific Northwest. Definitely. The person who started the company specifically has a high standard of ethics that they okay. don't like ben compromise. And Jerry's. And that's their brand. Like but backpacks instead of ice cream. Okay. So what I was thinking there. So there's one thing in the entire room. Okay. Except maybe the Bible. Oh, of course it's yours. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, that piece of granite over there, that <laughs> granite cylinder. Good one. Came from Iowa. <laughs> the heart of Iowa. That hog feeder, yeah, that little hog feeder, that antique. It has to be an antique to come from America. <laughs> let's it's, just start. Uh, let's just start naming things that listeners can't see. Sure, that barn window. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> probably made. This in, is good pot. Uh, what I was gonna, where I was going with that was, you don't think about it when you buy a computer or when you buy a phone or Air Jordans. I mean, you do. I guess you realize that it comes from China. You don't go into it that far though. We're just used to it. Everything we buy is. What made this such a big stink, though, is when it reaches over into the culture and entertainment world. Because they're rich enough? Who cares what the Chinese government thinks when you're buying a computer? Who cares what the Chinese government thinks when you buy a phone or whatever? But our, our culture products, our sports, our movies, when it gets exposed that, like, huh, they don't like... They they have some kind of say in like, are the what movies get made or like what's in them, mm. and then you start you think out another level like, well okay, these huge Marvel franchise movies, I guess if you pay attention to the movie business, movies are getting made more and more for, not just an American audience but an international audience. So, theaters are just packed with these, franchise hero. Movies that are easy to follow. And that kind of got exposed through this whole thing. That we're allowing, we, these companies, uh, and we, the consumers of it all, I guess. It got exposed that, wait a minute, the Chinese government kind of has a say in like our pop culture... And our Do you know so much like, about the, the about the technology that drives the the storytelling industry and the movie industry and that? How much of that? It probably has Chinese is oh. roots or is driven by Chinese innovation. Or you mean the fit like tech, CGI, and cameras and right, all, yeah. everything underneath it? They're making all that too, aren't God, they? I, I I I don't know. Sitting yeah. right here, another avenue of revenue, though, probably from one country to another. Or like all of our cameras, Fuji and all of that kind of stuff. Not necessarily American instruments. So are you saying it feel it, it was like a violation? Like, oh my God, there's a cook in my kitchen that I didn't authorize to be here? Well, as this thing kind of blew up and unfolded and I thought about it a little longer, that's what came to me. It's like, well, I don't really care what the Chinese government thinks when it comes to my tennis shoes or whatever, but how how much... How much are we censoring things? How much are we? Is how China much say, influencing how much say our culture in now? In our culture, how much is China influencing our culture because we're tailoring tailoring to their 
market and their sensitivities. We want to make as much money as we can without pissing anybody off out there. So it waters our product down. You don't get nuanced stories that speak to the American experience. You get the Hulk. How much are we going to hear about China in the presidential election? Are we going to talk about China? I bet we won't hear much about China in any fashion in the presidential stuff that we're Russia, all though, be buried under. Russia. Russia. That's okay. A lot of Ukrainians and Russians. No room to... The Chinese are like the silent partner in a lot of ways. They're very... Dude. We're very profoundly connected, but it's been there a long time, like you were saying, but they just... Good business means not making waves and you don't hear about controversy or problem or, you know, or because, because that would put, you know, disrupt the flow of profit stream. And, and that's what's happening with these protests right now in Hong Kong. It's bad for business. I mean, yeah. God damn. Did we just trip on something here? <laughs> I don't know. Cause you can bang on Russia all you want. You can bang the drum about how bad they are and all you want, and it's fine. It's on the. It's on the. Yeah, right. Because it's in the news every day. Because they don't. They don't have as much money to spend. If 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 we could sell our shit over in Russia, they wouldn't be our enemy. Boy, that's a pregnant pause in the pod. Yeah. I, I don't know how to answer that. I don't know how to answer that. Why is it okay to bang on Russia? I had a in giant girlfriend once. What? I had a Ukrainian girlfriend once. Mm. My first. Like and she was a foreign exchange student? No, no. She immigrated. She was one of them immigrants. Mm. Before we built the wall, she and her family snuck in <laughs> the east side. <laughs> and yes, her name was Natasha. But she talked <gasps> about... Uh, That's a lovely name. And she survived Chernobyl, dude. Oh, really? What? Yeah. So... Anyway, she talked about how basically just fucking poverty stricken her childhood was. And although Russia has this reputation for being like a threat to the United States in so many ways, like the standard of living over there, I learned through her and through her experience a little bit is like communism was rough, a lot of poor, a lot of poverty, a lot of, you know, and, and China, on the other hand, represents big industry people you know, growing salary mm. people that can spend mm -hmm. and spend and that's the attraction. And that's why, you know, Dan said, like Dan said, we can pick on the Russians all we want because they're not going to buy our shit. My sister spent maybe eight months in Russia as an exchange student in like 87, 88, 89, maybe. And she would tell stories about um, waiting in line for food. Yeah. Like she'd wait in line two hours to get a banana or just something that felt like a treat. She would, the dorm that they stayed in, they had one floor that was for the Americans. And because that floor had toilet. That's where all the bananas were. <laughs> that floor had toilet seats on them and the other floors did not have toilet seats. Mm. But the, something happened with the plumbing Oh, and the, they had to move to a different floor because something was wrong with the plumbing. And so they were squatting because there was no toilet seats and there was leaking sewage from the floor above. So they had to pee or uh, take a shit with an umbrella. Get 
True. Oh, and she sent us what pictures. What an image that is. Taking a shit while getting rained on oh by shit. With an umbrella. Wow. And then the following year, after she was home again, and she said it was just, what, what it was, there? her experience there was not great. People, their depression was rampant. You mean other than the getting rained on by <laughs> shit when she was... <laughs> Yeah. Right. I mean, so she's met people that went there that had a great experience. Hey, don't rip on their customs, dude. Just Her experience you don't understand. was not great. Lots of vodka. A lot of vodka. Instead of wine, it would just be... And I think I told you guys, like, the cheers was just go. It was just go. And then the following year, I think, or maybe the year after, two... 87, 88, this is? Ish. Because okay. she was in college and I was still in high school. Berlin Wall opens in eighty nine. I graduated so in ninety one. Like the, the the end of the the end of the empire. The the death the death they were in the throes yeah. of this all collapsing um, at that time. That Give or sounds take. R- that sounds right. Everything we say here is accurate. Yes. So then, two exchange students came to stay with us from Russia and live in our house. And when we took them to the grocery store, they wept. Oh my god. Mm hmm. They were hmm. overcome. Overcome, yeah. We had a Chinese foreign exchange student come with uh, Oliver, invited him over, and he was here for a little while. And he he didn't cry, but he kept saying over and over, "Oh, the air is so clean." Oh, really? <laughs> no way. These huge breaths, just like oh, I'm um, in paradise. How old? I'm a, not wearing a mask. Wow. Or, how old a kid was this? Yeah, Ali's uh, age. Middle school okay. era, and and wow. we took him walking out on a on a iced over lake, which he had never done before. <gasps> and honestly, literally, this happened. Some hillbilly pulled a huge muskie out of the ice, and it blew this fucking Chinese kid's mind. It was like an alien had he must, just come up from the. He ground. must have been from the city then. Yeah, yeah, he was from wow. the city. I forget the name of it. Clean air. Clean air and a muskie. muskie. He spazzed out at our clean air. Oh it was my just god! So nice, the air. Yeah, just taking all sorts of deep breaths, like they were. Like uh, Mel Brooks and Spaceballs with the can of air. (laughs) (laughs) So, Chris, you started all this. You're the one that brought up uh, LeBron and China and all that. Uh, Yeah. What 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 do we what have we discovered here? <laughs> I have more questions than answers. I still feel like how do you draw the line? I mean, there's really clear it seems very clear with China that if people are losing their lives in the streets, yeah, maybe you want to limit the kind of business that you want to do with them. It feels like outrage is an appropriate response for people to discover maybe they have a bigger hand in our culture than we thought that they did. Yeah, our government is throwing so many sanctions on so many other people, too. Or That's one of Trump's favorite international diplomacy moves, if you want to call it that. It's just sanctioning the, the hell out of economic sanctions on people that don't cooperate with him or do something that offends you know, him, but... I don't think it's China. Any sanctions on China, Dan? So terrific. So terrific. (laughs) 
That was my Trump. Did you like that? <laughs> so terrific. I, that's all I got. No, but I mean, human rights violations galore without there being a whole lot of talk that I'm aware of. Maybe sanctions are in place that I don't know of. Yeah. But like, they kind of can operate without impunity. What's that? Or with impunity because, because, we, because it's such a healthy business relationship. And the, yeah, the people we chum around with, like the super open-minded uh, leaders of, say, like Saudi Arabia. Right. We're like... I, I don't know. I I don't watch the news dribs and drabs. I don't know, but like, can women drive there? Can they like? Right. What Bin Laden's family was of Saudi Arabian uh, origin. Hijabs and whatnot. These aren't open-minded. Do we have open relationships with countries that countries. have horrible, horrible restrictions so, on women? I'm sure we do. You know what else they have though? Uh, now you so know much of that beautiful, beautiful oil. <laughs> right. That that just like in the to relate it to China, China's oh, resource geez. is its people. Its people are the oil. Ah, there you go, Nath. Interesting. True it's not that we don't still need oil. We just don't need it from the Chinese bank accounts, credit card numbers. So AP address. Is, are you personally bothered? Do I have a conscience? <laughs> IP addresses, not AP. IP technology what, what Dan you mean, are you personally with, with all addresses. this LeBron were you personally bothered to find oh well all this stuff is coming to the surface we're a lot more influenced by this country that's doing unethical things that we thought we were like does it bother you personally or are you like well that's just kind of how our culture is well yeah I think I've come to there are there are Brexit parallels I saw this in England as well in that People are one of the things. Holy shit, you've got to take on Brexit. Oh, my God. Well, (laughs) well, part of one of the biggest complaints was that being part of the European Union meant them sacrificing their national identity and their their self-autonomy, their ability to govern themselves and things. And this is what we're talking about kind of in our business relationships with the Chinese, right? Mm -hmm. The U.S., a lot of people are paranoid that the Chinese culture and government has too much influence over us and we are turning too much of a blind eye to them. We're selling out. Yeah, we're selling out. And and the Brits are saying, kind of feel like they've sold out to Brussels Mm -hmm. and the rest of the European Union. And... um, I know I was going to make a point with this. Oh, just that the world is a global place now. And people mm-hmm. are having a hard... Marketplaces are bound to just cross over with online mm-hmm. commerce. And, you know, the world is changing so rapidly. And, um, you know, I don't see it as a matter of, oh, the Chinese are out to get me. American businessmen are fucking me too. Ah, okay. You know, you're going to get fucked no matter where you go. Mm-hmm by people who are making selfish-ass decisions and running their businesses unethically, but producing stuff that you need uh-huh. at the Which, lowest price. That makes me feel powerless. Sorry. I mean, that's part of one of my sticking points that I come back to time and again. For instance, I'd love to have a hybrid car that doesn't fucking destroy the environment. I don't have, to be able to afford I don't have $35,000. Or $40,000 out of pocket to pay for a car like that right now. So I feel like I'm at the mercy of the people doing business, supplying me with things I have to have in our society in order to function. 
yeah what's a shame is that you're not getting the kind of assistance that you see in uh, in place in other places like in amsterdam if you want to take a taxi it's a tesla and nothing but one is that because every taxi company can afford a tesla i'm thinking there's probably some government assistance involved and like there was a policy mm. made and 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 because they're on the water and they see the threat they're doing something about so it so the people who are supposed to be providing like the watchdog of what's right what's wrong aren't doing their job or like hey we should be protecting the environment well, it's just interesting to see strategically, geographically, yeah. where action is being taken. It's out in the outskirts, right, where the water's rising and people are dealing with it. And they're like, hey, to the rest of the world. But, you know, the rest of us are just like, wait a minute, the game's on. <laughs> that might have been a little overly simplistic. What a, what a kick-ass segue, dude. Because uh, you asked him. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> How he re responded to all that uh, LeBron. You were next. You were the. I know. I, and I was going to say, and I now know. to you. What do you think? Over to you, Dan. I That's know. Right. I know. You can't eat popcorn I'm... on the microphone. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's right there. It's so good. <laughs> Just lean back. All right, all right. I know it looks really, really good. It is good. <laughs> But it's not polite. It's not good pot etiquette. I should don't. Mark. 4632. <laughs> what? The Bible? Uh, <laughs> Do I need to grab my Bible? When it... Oh. Would, would you please? What is Mark 4632? If that's actually... If that's actually a verse... Oh, my God. Uh, my reaction to all the LeBron stuff as a huge sports fan, huge NBA fan, was to ignore it. And say, ah, oh, just a few days till I think that was before the regular season started. And I was just jonesing for NBA basketball. And I was just like, can we just get to the basketball? Can we just get to the games? I want to watch the Bucks. We're going to be really good this year. I have a fantasy basketball team. I, I just get me to the games. And it just jumped. It just joined the pile of stuff that's making sports less and less fun to watch. Ah, and I just want to get to the actual game when the clock is running. Everything else sucks. All the commercials, all the announcers, all the everything. I just want the part where they're playing. There's so much static around it. And it's I, just the and I don't. And Mark, right, uh, Dan? Yeah, Mark forty six thirty two. If that's real. But in our broader discussion here about, well, do you feel? Do you feel bad like you're supporting the Chinese government when you buy a phone? Or now do Now is like my favorite my my favorite sport is that now like tainted by this relationship with the Chinese government? Is, is that, it? I don't know. Based on your text messages, I would say no. It's not tainted because you still seem as giddy as ever about exciting things that are happening. Yeah, it's just the game. It's the power of the game. And I I know these guys all have uh, social media presence. They're all a brand. Everyone's a brand now and all that. Um, I don't care about any of that. I don't follow any. I don't have I don't have Instagram or Twitter or anything. I just want to watch when they play. Can it go back? Do you think? Do you think there could ever be a coach that's like 
as part of you being on this team, oh. you don't have a Twitter account. Oh no way! You no don't way. have no. an Instagram. It'll never happen. You're no. here. You're here to play. That's that's over. Do you that's... know how hard it is to take technology away from a young person? Have you had that struggle with your kids yet? They don't know. My youngest, or my oldest, is nine, and he does not have a phone. That's your oldest. Your oldest is nine. Nine, seven, and three. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that that ship has sailed. No, that's not happening. Never ever. We're in the player empowerment era here. Well, where does it go from here? No then? coach is going to be like, hey, no Instagram, whatever. You don't think the pendulum will swim? Some, someone, I feel like somewhere. Who's the most extreme coach of all time? Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight. Bear Bryant. I remember watching him yelling on TV. <laughs> what What were his restrictions for his players? What was What were Bobby Knight's restrictions? It mm-hmm. wasn't that he was. It wasn't about restrictions. It was about what he'd do to motivate them, and he was mean as hell mean like what what would he do like drill sergeant he came from west point okay so he was a military kind of guy who had seen the model of drill sergeant breaks everybody down completely sure. and then builds back break up him a team down, build no him ego up. Yeah. break him down build him up i had a friend that went to the air force academy in colorado and he would kind of describe that a little bit mm-hmm. and i was like that sounds like torture <laughs> and why are you still there it sounds terrible he's like this is just what you go through you do it, and then... Hazing for a sorority. It's, you know, these things happen. You know, you aren't automatically accepted into a lot of different groups or communities, right? You got to pay your dues. Because one of the things that... So I think things come in cycles. One of the things that... Um, so I just listened to the first sections of that basketball... What's it called? The Book of Basketball 2.0. The Book 2. of Basketball where he's talking about with the guy that played with Jordan, who is Steve Kerr about old teams and how you would build a team based on how they played together. Not necessarily how well they supported a superstar. Yes. And you sometimes would measure how well a game you had by how well your teammates did. Mm. So it was like a synthesis. Yes. And you would also stay on teams for longer periods of time rather Absolutely. than swapping all over the place it's like, to try to get more money. Yeah. However, so now I'm looking at the way things are now where it feels like it's almost reaching an extreme. What's going to happen? It has to swing back somehow. It has to. Where do you go from there? It's hate, a team sport. I hate to keep big time in you with these travel stories, Dan, but... When I was in Ireland, uh, no, I, I was in. Uh, <laughs> I was outside of Stoughton tonight. I was at a town meeting, uh, town of Dunn. Population two hundred fifty. That's like seventeen, eighteen miles from Deerfield, dude. Seriously, no, please, dude, please. And that's a great question. I'm gonna mull. I'm gonna mull that over. What? Take it away. Hope. What it made me think of was when I was in Ireland a year ago. Uh, I saw, I met a cousin, a young cousin of mine who was really into something called Gaelic football. So it's a cross between rugby and soccer. That's Why have huge. I heard of this? It's the national sport in Ireland, right? Oh, I know. Yeah. They played this at the gym I work at. Okay. So he's all into it. And I was asking him a lot of questions about it because I love sports and he was a really cool young man. 
and just like the fact that he was there anyway, he was like a 17 year old dude on a weekend night. And instead of going out with his buddies, he saw some old relatives from America that he'd never met before. And he was so gracious and so cool. And he was telling me that these Gaelic football players play in large stadiums where tickets are sold and money is made, but they're still all amateurs. Huh. Not paid. And have to just work like working stiffs. Well, it sounds like college sports. Yeah, but I mean... The difference is this is professional. This is the end game. This is as as good as it's ever going to get for them, and they're and they continue to do it. They do it for the love. Jordan used to say sometimes ah. he would say, "I'd love this game so much I'd play it if no one paid me." And I thought, easy for you to say, Mike. <laughs> You're a billionaire. <laughs> but these guys really do. You know, I don't know if there's resentment within that community of like, well, we're playing in an awfully big place. There's a television contract, and we're not seeing a piece. How long has this been around? But that I don't know. But I was just struck by their national sport. Yeah. Their biggest stars are volunteers. That's that's insane. Inconceivable. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, but I also kind of thought. <laughs> I also kind of thought they've got their priorities straight over here. Sure. That seems reasonable because maybe the money that could have been going to this. Football player is being given to a teacher. Where does the money go then? Who gets maybe the money? healthcare? I mean, I, you know, I don't. The government gets the money. And no, I don't know. Allocate. I don't know those kind of particulars. Just generally speaking, when you're not funneling massive resources to mm-hmm. to entertainers and athletes and such, you could be directing these to mm. healthcare. You know, these things that we are they privately owned teams? Do you know? Don't know. I've given you everything I've got on that, Adams. But I could <laughs> I could hit. All the, I know is the. The players don't earn any money. Yeah. And they still love playing. And they do it for large audiences and And devote vast amounts of time, I would think. I'm sure to training and yeah. yeah. Not to mention the physical consequences of playing rugged sports. You're putting your body on the line and the yeah. benefit is not financial. It's a it's kind of a perfectly Irish thing. <laughs> in a way. Like <laughs> fuck the money. <laughs> Jeez, man. I, I don't even know what to s- I don't even know how to how to respond to that? Because here we've got college sports that just student athletes. Over. You know what's that? You want to talk about that legislation that just passed? It allows what? college athletes to get paid in California. Oh, yeah, that happened a couple weeks ago, didn't it? Yeah. Just in California, though, right? Mm. Wait a minute, they might. God, have... This is when it would help to read news. This I'd... is when this is what I, I saw think on it LeBron's HBO thing. Be, I think I think the NCAA had to do kind of a global. All right, this is the standard. Really, because otherwise it created all sorts of well Brexit like complications. Geez, to buy Chris a little time with Google there. <laughs> uh, I've just been, you know, water cooler conversation. I suppose, uh, kind of professing that I'm just done with college sports. Really? Just done. It doesn't. If the men's basketball team went to the Final Four again this year, you wouldn't care. When when the bracket comes around, I'll fill out a bracket. I I can't not do that. You'll I'll, root. You'll root for them. Of course. In the tourney. I, I'll love always the tourney. love the bracket. Yeah. But uh, football died for me many years ago. Died they, for you when they shook up the traditional bowl system. I liked the tradition. I suppose, like your, like the Gaelic football. Explain. Um. 
even though it didn't always produce like a perfect clean champion that everybody agreed on, there were all these old customs involved every New Year's Day. Stadiums. That the Rose Bowl was the Pac-10 and the Big Ten, and the Orange Bowl was whomever, and the and so on. And it changed? Yeah, in like the 80s or maybe the early 90s, I guess. They went to the BCS, where these major bowls like became a corporation, and they agreed with each other that they'll share the elite teams and then this is how we'll declare the true champion every year. But no matter what system you you use in an amateur sport like that, it's it's still it doesn't work. It's still it and all that tradition, so for the old school guys like me, <clears throat> it just ruined it. The 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 effort to make a clear champion out of all this just wrecked it. It wrecked all the old traditional rivalries that I used to look forward to and had all this mystique. It just took all the mystique away. And all it was now is like Tostitos and Pepsi and all and Home Depot uh, present the Allstate BCS championship where you win the Sears trophy, which is a crystal football. And it's all, all the same arguments. So in the old bowl system, the number one and number two team at the end of the year might not play because they're not in the... Tri- Those two teams don't face each other in their traditional bowl game. And so <clears throat> the bowl games would happen and there'd be columns and arguments and early days of sports radio, I suppose, people arguing about like, well, who the true champion is and stuff. And then the system came along and just wrecked it. And all it was was it just pushed college sports even farther away from amateurism and just made it a bigger, bigger corporate event the opposite of gaelic football the packers are supposed to be kind of the gaelic football squad of the nfl yeah, that's because kind of, of our... their small marketness right gee golly yeah. yeah yeah we're the we're the underdog we're the small little guy market in all this places i always you know that's they always make good cinderella stories when it's when a team from a small city competes with the new york team but it whatever you were saying I don't know how much like, that holds up anymore, I guess, but it used to be a thing. You said, like, when does LeBron have enough money? When have you sold enough shoes? That was and you're saying, where does this go with sports? Like, everybody just wants to make more and tweet a lot and have a, and have a hot Instagram. That's, well, that's, that sounds old. Uh, you want your Instagram <laughs> to be on fleek, on point? You want to get it? No, that's worse. It's getting worse. It's Stop, worse. Dan. You want to get a lot of likes it's and whatever? Worse. Where does it go? For me... The college sports that I used to love, there was an air of amateurism about it. There was always money involved. Of course. I mean, there always was. It was on TV. So there's TV contracts and sponsors and stuff. But for the last, how old am I? The 90s? 20 years? 90s? O's? Teens? That's like 20 years plus. The last 20 years or so, College sports have been on just this straight upward trajectory of more corporate involvement. And the schools, the schools have so much money. Big time universities have so much money. They, they, collect, they collect money from taxpayers, for God's sakes. They're little government institutions. Oh, now you're, oh boy, now you did it. <laughs> and they have these corporate relationships. And the workforce 
Chinese companies, by the way, or like Nike. That's Chinese money coming to Wisconsin through a shoe contract with, oh a, with a football team and the basketball team, right? That's the that's a connection. That's the invisible, or the silent partner. That's how China Dude. touches our culture, our sports culture here. Dude. So people yeah. want to think sports are pure, right? And by putting money in the equation. Well, I think one of the things that makes them so compelling when you talk about purity is that it's it's something that once the ball is tipped, you can't predict what's going to happen next. There's an element of spontaneity. Yeah. The only sports is the ultimate. Show left. And fighting, I would say, beyond mm. that. Oh, God. Becomes the most intense expression yeah. of that. It's pure because it's real action. It's not scripted. It's going to be different every time you see it. So is that what you're saying? The ultimate reality show is a sports game? Yes. It's yeah, the show it's... that you can watch that you don't know how it's going to end. And you, it might be the greatest one you've ever seen. You just you don't know. Or it could be super boring. Does the fact that money is involved change that experience? College the... sports are dead for me. <laughs> I like pro sports more than I ever have. Because it's just all the phony amateurism nonsense is out of it. These guys get paid tons of money because they're the best there is. That's super commercialized too, though, right? Pro and sports? it's just out in the open. It's but just out in the, the open, open, though. Yeah. But there's still athletes up. doing their best. And they're getting That's paid. Right. Ultimately, whether they're getting paid or not, yes. college or not, it, it's just athletes doing their best. So I, I'm just wondering why it's ruined for you. Just The, the college sports? Yeah. Why is it ruined for me? Because it, it it touches on these the the court case that came up a minute ago. That it's starting to leak into the courts. Like you have to let these people profit from their image. God damn it! Mm-hmm. And the universities, these a lot of them are private, but a lot of them are state institutions too. Reap these massive they, sports generate so much money they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, right. They have to build. They so have that, to tear down nice facilities and build epic facilities. They have to. They they. It's an arms race of who's got the the nicest uh, new press boxes and press boxes in your stadium, locker rooms, uh, big monitor trainer with equipment, the best stuff. resolution and the tech and the you know state of the art facilities. Do you think that the fact that money is now involved affects players willingness to take chances well well it has to do with draft age it yeah. relates to draft age a lot people talk about that like there used to be this compulsory law that for basketball at least let's say dan did this stretch over other sports too where you couldn't no. just jump from high school to the pros ah. you, you had to play for free Mm-hmm. There's still some sure. rules in place like that. There's still one and done in college basketball. You still have to put in one year at a college. So w- in a year, when this young man could be making or go international, you could go millions play international of dollars. Mm-hmm. They have to play for free for this old school institutional mm-hmm. sort of system that will will still earn quite a bit off of. In the, in the case of Duke. I'm trying to put myself in the position of like a quarterback who's having I'm thinking about Brett Favre and how he missed as many as he made or he took he everyone's like oh he loved the game he loved the game he just was out there to play it was would you see that kind of guy in this would you see that kind of guy and maybe you do I don't know but but 
is there like a certain amount of just nuts is there a certain amount of caution when you're throwing when you know you have an endorsement deal when you know if you ruin your stats that maybe you'll lose the endorsement like yeah is it affecting the mentality yes well, the science. You say yes. That was the a little science. Loud. Yes. Not just the business, but the no. science that's crept into sports. So it's less art. Have you have you seen the film Moneyball? Not yet. Okay, Dan. Moneyball. No. Keenly aware of it. What? I haven't seen. You it. haven't seen that? No, I haven't. Shocked. Seen it. I am shocked. Brad Pitt's in it though. I know. Mm. We're all waving ourselves. <laughs> We're all fanning ourselves. <laughs> Anyways, what this about it? This should be it? a video podcast. <laughs> the- Woo! Mercy, Brad Pitt. Basically, it's how statistics. There was like a statistical revolution in sports that happened at one point. So that that's the book of basketball stuff. Mm. They talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, advanced metrics. Yes, yes. It started in baseball. Mm-hmm. Right. So okay, I think good. I, I, Billy Bean, the so GM the of the that A's, we've gone. Yes, in our childhood, from being in a little league team, playing baseball against our friends across town to advance metrics and that's the way that you recruit and you base your your decisions like it's it's gone into a laboratory and it's been sterilized and and you know people are taking enhancement drug and you know enhancing themselves with drugs and things like that too and the competitiveness of that environment just has allowed it to get taken so seriously that it's not fun yeah, I mean that makes sense from the outside looking in. But are the players still having fun? It's not about whether they're having fun. It's about whether they're succeeding uh-huh. and whether their their batting average is high enough. And there, Jordan always amazed me because I think he was one of the first guys. It's not that people didn't have commercial endorsements before Michael, but Michael took it to a whole other level. I did look up all of his endorsements. Okay, there right. was. There were many. It, it's amazing. <laughs> so he had piled this kind of pressure that we're talking about on himself, heaping it on, heaping it on during his career, and just kept answering the bell and doing what he was known to do, close out games, win games, win championships, do these things with the weight of all of these contracts that probably would have dropped him if he wouldn't have kept winning. Man, he just kept kicking ass. Yeah, what happens? But if he, he bet on himself. He was like, "Yeah, give me another one." What happens if he blows out his knee and misses a whole season? What? Ha- yeah, I mean, right. he, he ducked out and played baseball for two years or whatever. Was that when his dad got murdered? Uh, how long was he out? At, two years, two seasons, because the Houston Rockets won the title the two years that he was out. That's right, Hakeem the Dream. He grieved through basketball or through baseball. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he needed to get away from basketball. He needed a break. Too much attention. And he While was, you're sure. grieving, which in retrospect makes sense, but back then people were just so devastated, devastated to lose him. And Phil Jackson said it's like Michelangelo hanging up the paintbrush before he dies or something. You know, dude. You Honestly, it. at the time I felt like because I was grew up in Chicago or outside Chicago, so obviously Michael. Jordan was everywhere, but I felt like, oh, he's he's doing something. I, I wasn't too curious about it. It felt like his journey is what I felt like. It was like, this is weird. Dan was an antagonist, uh, an antagonist, sorry. So like he would, he would root against Jordan 
mm. in his peak and mm. in his prime. Mm. So I'm guessing that I know this about you. So mm. that I'm I'm guessing that when at the time when you retire, you're like, good riddance, fuck you. A little yes. bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just. No, you got to miss even I was, the rival. You got to miss the little, rival. I'm a contrarian. I'm a contrarian. I was heartbroken. I can't. I don't know what I don't know what I made of that. Like when, when Magic announced he had AIDS. Oh. God, devastating. We thought he was going to die. We yeah, lost nobody him. Nobody knew what the fuck he was. Yeah, and, it, and that's a little bit what it felt like with Michael. Like, dude, you've still you're in your prime. Mm. I mean, I'm sorry about your dad, but you're in your prime, Great and there's a short up. window that you get to be this mm-hmm. yeah. perfect mm. specimen f- for this game. But yeah, it's his goddamn life ultimately, and he did what he needed to do. Don't you think if he could have played, he would have? Like something took him another way. I think we actually something just came up in conversation that I I hadn't thought of, but makes a lot of sense. It's fucking obvious, kind of. He was grieving. Yeah. You don't want to do that in public. No. Too much. And the minor leagues going down to the minor leagues. That's mm. a poetry of what he did, right? He went from being the king of the major leagues to some shitty little minor. And league why team. would he want to play the game he loved? At less than his best and let all his fans suffer watching him probably not excel. That would well, be that's the thing. That that's would be thing, more though, heartbreaking. I don't think there is a dimension or there's a universe where he wouldn't have gotten on the floor and still dominated. I don't know, man. And put, and if put your his dad's aside. murdered. Well, that's the thing about Jordan's legacy, though. His psycho competitiveness. I mean, the guy had so much pride that there's no way, I'm telling you, this is kind of one of the things that separates him, despite his athletic gifts and whatever else, why he is the great Jordan. Mm. Pride. But I think that's the pride that took him out of that game into a minor league baseball because he wouldn't be able to suffer if he couldn't play at his best. Well... Yeah, I'm. Maybe it was a concern, but he was so supremely confident, yeah. too, mm. that it's hard for me to imagine him like the balls that it took to try and just start another major league <laughs> sport like that. I know. It's. I mean, Deion Sanders had done it. Bo Jackson had had done it. There, it's. It wasn't totally unprecedented, but it was kind of like, wow, uh, that's a bold choice. But you're Michael Jordan, so you can do whatever you want. You're kind of Superman. Well. Yeah, I mean, maybe he went a little crazy. Have you ever seen someone grieving so like hard Dave they Chappelle go a going little to crazy? Africa? No, no, I don't mean that. I don't mean like... They both had to step away from the spotlight. Different reasons. There, there might be a parallel there. Playing for the Birmingham Barons. Was his Africa. In the Chicago White Sox <laughs> farm system. I don't know. And uh, a little respect for He Bo made Jackson a choice. And they played major league baseball. They played major and league baseball professional and, and NFL football. football. What? They weren't in the minors. Dion and Bo Jackson did not play in the minors. Well, maybe. You know, games, all Dion Sanders had to do in baseball. I'm just being like, an anti-Jordan asshole. That's, that's my job. <laughs> I can't believe it. You love him, though. Don't you love him? I don't know. As a an icon, as a, like a player of the game that you love. One of the most beautiful expressions Ugh. of the game you love. I haven't had to in motion. I haven't had to think about this for a long time. He's beautiful. Uh, I tend to root for 
underdogs. And Jordan was the ultimate front runner. And so whoever they played was the ultimate underdog. And the every year in the NBA finals, I just rooted harder and harder and harder against him. And it's, but it's like when there's a dynasty, it drives ratings. Like people love a, you know, that's why the Avengers half, why the, half the audience loves the bulls. The other half hates the bulls and wants them to lose, but it doesn't matter. Cause we're all watching. If you so hit- I was watching, they had my eyeballs mm-hmm. and by the end, when they were playing the jazz, those two years, I was so invested in that. I was so exhausted and so wiped after those games that in retrospect, I, <laughs> I loved it though. I loved every second of it. Yeah. I got it. I, I jumped up out of, excitement. I felt like I was playing. I, I was wiped after those games and so heartbroken. And when yeah. the, you know, the Jazz always took a couple games. I think the Bulls always beat them in six. So they would win a couple games, and I'd have all that belief and be like, this is the year that someone's <laughs> going to beat this asshole. So why and were you it, so excited about Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Oh, my God. You're Baltimore? It's too much. There's too much. <laughs> you asked a question like 20 minutes ago. If players are considering their future. As they're throwing like, passes should I be, and shit? Should I be doing this? College football players are sitting out of bowl games, like the ones who are blue chip draft prospects. Really? They, yeah. It, they've, it's gotten to that level where they're forced to play in that system. Now, football is a little different than basketball. It is possible for an 18-year-old kid to play NBA basketball with men and succeed. It's rare, but it can happen. In football, it's, it's a physical thing. 18-year-old kids can't come in and play NFL football. You're not your their bodies aren't strong enough, they're not developed enough. They're playing against men. You see it in basketball too. It That's why LeBron was such a freak. He right. was a man. He child. came in and played against he men came in and was immediately hmm. on par if not better than these guys, which so he's once in a lifetime. He's That's how they knew. Generational sort of like, talent. Oh Jesus. What were your what's your point? Well, you asked if if it's all the money in the college sports is, I know this is way back. No, that's okay. 10 minutes ago or whatever, but yeah, it is affecting it. And every time, so there's this system in place. So football players are sitting out of bowl games. It's a meaningless game. But to, to rest. Be, and the draft is in a couple months. To like, protect themselves and not injure themselves. Not, yeah, to not get hurt in a meaningless game. They've played their career. They've put they've put it on tape. Mm. The scouts know what they are, and their agents are telling them. Their people are telling them you're going in the first round. So it's a means to an end. And they college football. These guys have started oh, to take the high road and like I'm not I'm not playing in a bowl game. So it makes a far. I totally hole. get it now. I get it. The elites. Why the it's elite why it's ruined for you because it's a means to an end and that's not what sports are about. I get it. In basketball, we saw it this last year. Zion, have you ever heard of Zion? No. Zion Williamson. Played for Duke. From the second he stepped into the college basketball world, it was presumed he was the number one draft pick. Just from day one. The entire season. The tournament. Everything. Halfway through the season, he sustained, he, he made a hard cut or something and like blew out a shoe. And you would have thought the world ended. Like the sports world. He almost hurt himself. Stopped turning. It was like. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. 
He's, I think he sprained his knee, which is like a two, three, four week injury. You know, it's nothing tore, nothing broke. Uh, but he was out for a few weeks. And in this stupid ESPN culture we live in, it was 24 hours, 24 hour Zion coverage uh, of this, the lock to be the number one pick almost hurt himself. Hmm. And it generated all those discussions of like we're having, like, what a system. But you don't have to play college basketball. You could play in Europe or something. But there's no notoriety for less money. There. For less money. There's no, it, it, it's not as fun. This, this system that we've got is fun. The NBA is still the show. That's where you want to go. And that's, and that's why it's such an international league now. And you have guys like Chris Stapps Porzingis from Lithuania. And yeah. No, he's from Latvia. Thank you. Stars from around the league that are like back when Dan and I were young. Luka Doncic. Yeah. And becoming acquainted with a the league, there was a handful of, of foreign players mm-hmm. that were even, you know, wow. making enough of an impact to know their names. And now they're populating the constellation of NBA stars heavily, sprinkled, you know, from Latvia and all around the world. Punch me if I'm talking too much. This goes all the way back to the beginning when we were talking about the NBA being an international sport. Every country on earth, just about few exceptions, Somalia maybe doesn't have like a pro league, but all of Europe and all of Asia, they all have pro basketball leagues over there. And it's understood what you brought up. Yao. It's understood that if you're good enough, you'll go to the NBA and nobody's going to hold it against you. Like Promise land. The best of the professional leagues around the world. One of those guys, two of those guys, three, a small handful of those guys make the leap to the NBA. There have been Just some like great the Spanish best. and French players that have contributed to championship teams. Tony Parker, the Gasol brothers from Spain, yeah. French, Spain. You know, this was unheard of in our day. We're a young day. Manu. Manu Ginobili. He's from Argentina, from Argentina, isn't he? Yeah, all over. So that the NBA collects, it is the elite of the elite of the elite. It is the smallest percentage of players that can play at that level. But here's an interesting thing for you. That's why it's so popular. No, I'm just waxing on about the NBA. I love it so much. Here's a a tidbit that you would appreciate. One One of the teams that Dan and I love, he actually got me a jersey from a player for this team that is a treasured possession. It was too big for me. It was just too big for Dan. He didn't get it for me. Thanks. But Greg Popovich is a coach for the San Antonio Spurs, and he is a an important figure in getting foreign guys who don't necessarily have the hype or the rec- reputation as some of these blue chip guys that come out of American college, right? And and crafting them into a championship caliber team, and and he it's a preference, it's like a stated preference on his part. To, to seek these guys out that don't have the ego that comes along with being an American told you're the ah. shit from the time you're 15. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all of that, these guys have a humility that they're still coachable and they respect and answer to that his vision. How does that impact their team then? Championships. Multiple. But they don't need team be, Uber Alice. They don't need to be the star. They're exactly correct. It. Happy to share. Happy to assist. Happy to unselfish. 
So all around, essentially, they're the MVPs because they support the star. Yeah, they're kind of like the antithesis of what Jordan was in a way, uh, because he was the ultimate. Yeah, look the at alpha. Me, look at my endorsements. Yep. Look at me some more. Look at me some more. I'm going to keep delivering and doing fantastic things that he was more fun to watch than the Spurs were more beautiful to mm. watch as we, as we said earlier, but the, the, the central pillar in their success was a guy named Tim Duncan, whose nickname Timmy. was the big fundamental. Ah, not very sexy, right? But just a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? I hated the Spurs when you, they got good. Oh my God. You've got air Worst Jordan nickname ever air yeah. Jordan versus the big fundamental. <laughs> Oh, who just hate didn't him fuck so up. much. <laughs> but, but then I grew to love them. That's another podcast. The point being is that Tim Duncan is the most egoless, monk-like dude in this arena. No that media has, presence. No brand. No interest Nothing. At all. No Nobody interest. knows anything not about him. Ca- not charismatic. Player. I play Doesn't basketball. Care. That's yeah. what I do. I block shots and get rebounds and pass to my teammates. And lead quietly. Shouldn't that be everyone on the team? You'd like it to be in yeah. a way, but you know what? I'd very much like that. <sighs> there's, then there's no Muhammad Ali. Oh, well. See, you That's asked a question too. 20 minutes ago, and he just answered it. All the players just, they're into their brand and making the most money. The pendulum has to swing back. Every once in a while, though, this happens. Mm. It's a, It's a, what do you call that? Paradox. Bottle paradox is what they were. In the Once in a age, while. The Spurs were a paradox. They were a like, team like that comes along. Foreign guys. And, and another thing that they did, a way that they bucked the trend, was they stayed teammates for years. That's yes, nice. That's, there you go. You know, these Chemistry. things, they were like a throwback mm-hmm. in a way in the modern era. And Popovich is still coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he's he's reaching the end. and, and he uh, It's getting up there. Mm. His I wife it, passed away uh, last year. It was telling. It was telling that in the way that he handled that, like Popovich didn't hardly address it, and he doesn't want to talk about himself. He doesn't want attention, even when people are loving him and wanting to like express sympathy, sympathy and things. He's just like, "Thanks, private. Ah. Let's just go back to the basketball game." You talking about Timmy, or are you talking about Coach Pop? Talking about how Pop dealt with his grief and that he, he didn't mm. he hold any big tearful, you know, shower me with sympathy press conferences, just as you'd expect. You know, we're not going to discuss that in a interview on a basketball court. Sure. And get that and fucking mic out of my face. <laughs> yeah, he has that too, which is great. He's very I, sarcastic. Yes. Uh, but the sideline interview, you you familiar with that? You've seen it. I've already expressed my disdain for it. Yeah. For the concept of a sideline interview. But Kurt yeah. Sager. Yeah. And Kurt. Pop shares your feelings. Tell him about Kurt Sager, though, and how that revealed a Craig heart of, Pop, of the heart of Popovich, the, the crusty old. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. You caught me a little unaware. What? Kurt Sager I mean, used to wear Craig the Sager. loud. Se- Craig, Craig Sager, goddammit. Not Kurt, sorry. Craig Sager. <laughs> He used to, he was a, he, he'd do course. Sideline reporter. Sideline reporter for TNT, but he was like super affable and he wore these really loud, obnoxious suits and he like, you couldn't hate him. Oh, okay. Couldn't hate Craig Sager. He was such a nice guy. 
and 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 even the coaches like he won over he won over Popovich which really would, Popovich okay. would would mock him in his stupid questions but in a friendly way <laughs> yeah like and others it was just real disdain but Sager contracted cancer oh no that's the right word contracted was diagnosed with anyway uh-huh. terminal cancer and fought it and Popovich was so gentle in a way and like honored okay this yeah. guy i got you now on the sidelines it was a very like uh they shared a moment i'm sh- yeah one of those moments when that it restores was known, your faith in humanity when you're watching sports you see when it was known that he had cancer and it was known that like tonight's my last night of this or whatever yeah pop they shared a he basically like told him he loved him a man and, moment. you know just on camera I'm, that was the gist of it. If the, if he didn't say those words, it passed between those two, and wow. it was this. Uh, bec- and it's because it came from him, right? The stoic, crusty, sarcastic, smartass guy showing you what you kind of knew underneath all along. Why did those players stay with him in his system for so long? Because he cared about them, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know there was loyalty, and you know. He's just a great leader that way, heart-wise, too, not just strategy. Well, and it sounds like he recruited players that he knew could build great relationships. Yes. That didn't have the ego coming in. That would have chemistry with each other. Yeah. No ego struggles among your stars. Not when Pop's (laughs) set in the roster because he's screening that shit. And sometimes, a lot of times, he has to go out of America to find it. Yikes! That's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, his his coaching staff. He had uh, international folk in his coaching staff. Right. Uh, it that, wasn't just his that, players. It was a whole organization that knew these players. Uh, that knew the international game, which is different than the American game. Uh, what? Uh, uh, oh, and those those international players that he had: Tony Parker. Manu Ginobili, French Argentinian. Who am I? Who am I missing? Uh, so they were. They get to the show. They get to the NBA, and they don't feel. They they feel lucky every day to play in the NBA. They being foreign. This was the pinnacle, and a lot of the kids that grow up in this, in our culture. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I'm they're here, in it for but the what flash, about my shoe deal? To be a brand. For them, they just want to be in the NBA. They just, and it's only about winning. It's strictly about winning, regardless of stats, that sort of thing. I promised I wouldn't do this. This is a terrible question. Great. Would he have recruited someone from a country that's doing unethical things? (gasps) That's a good one. Well... If there would have been a great Chinese player like Yao Ming, mm-hmm. you bet he would have found a place on Pop's it's team. It's not as that long. guy's fault. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not that player's fault. And and Yao, here's the thing about that's why it, basketball's great. <sighs> well, I'm gonna risk being maybe culturally insensitive here. Yeah, this is what the editing <laughs> this is what the editing buttons for. But that's right. I yes, you might say that someone who is the product of a communist kind of totalitarianish sort of structured society make a good fit in a lot of sports teams mm. 
that are that are structured in a similar sort of hierarchical way where there's a coach there's a voice that says Mm -hmm. you will Mm. get out of the game now or you will go in the game now and you will listen to my decisions because i am the emperor of this team Mm -hmm. so to speak they're cooperative it's a hierarchy and and their ego has thought of that and their ego has been their ego has been since the time they were born you know put in its place Mm. in a way that yeah there is no individualism it's interesting dude so you're 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 pop you're good popovich material if you've been raised in a place that might stress that sort of ego what? suppression the at the expense the... at the expense not to say popovich has been he's got liberal politics and he'll speak to them freely in the press yeah. so it's not that he wants good little mindless servants either hmm. do you know what i mean he wants people who who can be individuals and think for themselves and be educated, and he's all for it. He's democratic. He just doesn't want egotistical maniacs that aren't going to take his direction. I have a couple thoughts on that. So, yeah, that was a dumb question. One is... (laughs) Just kidding. Because we had talked before about the rigidity of Catholicism Yes. and being told what to do and what not to do. I'm feeling that as like a shadow of being raised in a communist society sure and we talked about being raised that way as actually stimulating some kind of rebellion of course so how do you think he picks how do you pick the ones that aren't going to rebel no how do you know that's not sometimes you have to try them out rebellion is okay so you've got on Popovich's squad were there voices can, of consent or they, they were never chattering at each other in the media or anything really. But they certainly argued behind closed doors. Keeping it in house okay. is the term. And Pop is amongst players. Meaning don't let the media in on this private between ar- players and between disagreement players we're and coach. having. So they, they'd argue with their coach. He's not a dictator. Okay. No. And they didn't just get along. Every but day. they respected each other enough. To yes. not want to call each other out and humiliate each other in the media. Of course, never public. That happens on other teams, not the Unacceptable. Spurs. Unacceptable. Not the Spurs. No, they absolutely fought. And yeah. they fought Pop. They fought. But they did it in their in the privacy of their own company, we let's call say. call that, in the yoga world, sacred space. Sacred space, you bet. Mm-hmm. There was, because it there was. It's exactly what it is, yeah. There was an ethic at, involved, in, right? Like they're, they were like morally invested, maybe. Oh, I like that term. Yeah. And so that's what he was really looking for, talent and the ability to invest morally into what was going on, into what he was building. Right. That makes sense. Yes. and I like him already. And all those attributes, the right kind of personality, a, uh, a sense of selflessness, being humble, uh, so this you had to have you have to have but all also those not being to be able to survive but also that. being assertive like you've got to be yes. you got to be humble but play bold because too. you're like, fucking awesome like Manu Ginobili was the mm. Brett Favre character in his system a little bit sometimes right and that he would do these wild improvisational South American things sometimes <laughs> these drives to the baskets to pop and be like what the fuck are you what about the play or whatever. 
But more more often than not, the reason Manu is going to be in the Hall of Fame is he would pull some shit out of his ass mm. and and finish it, and you and you'd be scratching your head like, Take how risks. how did he do it? Right within Pop System, so mm-hmm. of course there was tension. Manu needed Pop System to not be totally, you know, uh, freestyling all the time, and he wouldn't. There's no doubt he wouldn't have been the star that he became without the structure. But then Pop was wise enough to not over-restrain Manu. But, you know, that's another thing. Like, how much control do you have over your players? Mm-hmm. You know, Pop managed that shit so well with a guy like... Is that, is know, he mentoring any other coaches? Is there oh, yeah. anyone like him? Is that him? what Team USA is about a little bit, Dan, when he does those honorary coaching gigs and has the younger guys as assistants? Yeah, Um he coached this last, what was this, the World Championships or whatever, the last international FIBA, uh, the FIBA World Cup of basketball. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's right. Uh, he was the coach of that. And the Americans didn't win. Another sign that the world is basketball sad. This is Because, a- why is that? A lot of the stars wouldn't Because play. none of the stars wanted to play. Because they have business ventures going on. They're saving themselves for the season. It's They're... The they didn't want to play, you know. It's, oh, it's not the Olympics. Well, you know, mm. I'll pass. All of them passed. All the big stars passed. It's like skipping the bowl game. It was a yeah, it, absolutely. It was a, sec, a second tier team, which is still a bunch of amazing players. But. So as a fan, there's always going to be a part of you watching that goes, "Oh, I just missed another opportunity to see my favorite player do that thing that I love to see him do, that he's not just doing because he's got an opportunity to do it. And that's what he loves to do." Well, don't you think that as parents and as like raising kids that you can teach them how to watch games so that they're not looking at just the star player. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. You can teach them how to watch sports. So if that my, if my four sons watch sports, <laughs> oh, I would absolutely be that's doing that. Brutal. Oh, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Everybody likes what they like. That, that's fine. Because this pop guy sounds like who I would want every high school coach to be. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, he's a, he's a hero. He sees the big picture, but he also sees you've got something special. You know what he does too, Adams, is he balances. You were talking about how do you work that balance between being successful and being ethical? Yeah. Pop. Damn it. Nice. (laughs) But Pop, I think Pop is a sterling example of a guy who has principles Mm -hmm. and still wins championships. Fuck. That's a great combo. Yeah. In this era too. I don't even, I never even heard of the guy, never seen any of his teams play, and I'm in love. Yeah, yeah. I love him too. I heart you, Pop. If this ever gets to your ears, <laughs> thanks for not being a douche. I bet he's a big pod guy. Full of the big what? Always listening to pod. Not Always a, listening to pod from people all. he's never heard of. Not at all. Sure. Yeah. I'll send it to him and then ask if he wants to do an interview. Me while I play as a fly enthusiasm aimed at your indifference Scan the floor for one tap and do a bobbin hand There's signal coming back on the same map for frequency wavelength How's reception connection? Don't flip the dial, that's your performance It's commercial free, it's commercial free. Only thing for sale up here is me and my seat You're free to catch up on all times at the top of your lungs Got a mic and I can turn it up but I can't turn you down Got a mic what I need to do remote I phone and click 
Point, click, flip around, fold it more appreciation oh. from the crowd participation. Would it be too much entirely to expect a little respect? Would it be too much entirely? What if what they say is true? Less is more. More is what I'm doing.